still remember what he told me. He said, Travis, we were here before you got here, and we'll be here a long time after you're gone. And if you need to find another job, then that's what you're going to have to do. Welcome back to the number one podcast that teaches people how to get paid what they're worth. I'm your host and resident human behavior nerd. Super excited about today's guest, you guys. You should be too. My guest today is none other than the infamous Travis Lefevre. Hey, hey, hey. A serial entrepreneur who started and successfully exited three businesses, ran corporate turnarounds for three years, and has spoken and taught in eight different countries. You know, he's worked with some big name clients like Facebook. Kraft and Tyson Foods, Loctite, every branch of the military, Ripley's, believe it or not, and NASA. That's just to name a few. But mostly, he's my husband. He's my baby daddy and the uh, bug killer in our house. (laughs) So mainly, that's what he does, especially since we're all working from home these days and it's springtime. There are a significant amount of bugs for some reason. And we live in the woods. (laughs) And we found a snake the other day in my garage after I set up my workout equipment out there and I'm not excited about that (laughs) anyway so if this interview gets a little off the rails like it just kind of did it's because we've been cooped up together with my mom and our four-year-old daughter for like three weeks straight nonetheless he has a few decades of experience as in the executive ranks leading people, managing people, and negotiating compensation. And he agreed to come on the show after I asked him multiple times over coffee and stuff and basically said that he had to. So he's going to share some of the things he's learned about getting a raise with us. So thank you, Mr. Lefevre, for coming on the show. How's your uh, self-isolation going? It is good. Good. An interesting thing, of course. Uh, stuff we have never seen before, done before. A lot of things we're doing, as you know, we're working on from home, so at least we're being productive. Uh, and if I have to be marooned with anyone, I can't think of anyone else I'd rather be marooned with. You're my, you're my <laughs> person. Well, thanks. Let's, uh, let's talk about getting a raise at your job. Uh, my first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think. What is your best advice for someone who feels undervalued at work undervalued um so that question hits at a lot of different levels i think um in my experience feeling undervalued has a lot less to do with your paycheck and a lot more to do with the leadership at your company or at your office you know you can be making 10 bucks an hour and a team culture make you feel valued and, and wanted and you want to get up and go to work every day. Or I've seen people making $500,000 and they're miserable and feels like nobody cares about them. So, um, you know, that's probably a little bit off topic, but if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I don't feel valued at my job. My best advice is to find another team to play on. You know, that's a, a leadership failing, a culture all the money in the world doesn't make necessarily people feel valued. Um, making more money obviously makes it more tolerable, though. There's sometimes uh, no way to escape a toxic workplace, especially in the short term. So, you know, if you're just talking about getting a raise, I could help a little bit. Is that 
You want to go into like the money part? Yeah, I'm talking about the money part. The money part. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I remember like my my first real experience about uh, about asking for a raise myself. It's it's kind of a funny story. I was working uh, at the Raleigh Durham Airport here in North Carolina, and I was co-oping with UPS. I remember I started at seven fifteen an hour. I think it was back then, mm, nice. uh, the minimum wage. And uh, if you don't know what UPS does at the airports uh, on the night shift, we load all the overnight packages from the Piedmont here into seven fifty sevens and DC eights, and they fly up to Louisville, Kentucky, for the big overnight sort. And then on the morning shift, those aircraft would come back in. We would unload all the next day air packages and you know distribute them all over North Carolina. But it was really hard work. It was, you know, rain, snow. We were out on the tarmac. You know, summer it was super hot. And after about a month of this, I realized that I, well, I felt like that I was outworking everybody else. You know, I'm sweating, sweating my rear off out there. And I was already supervising people. I was, you know, really helping out. And so I went to my boss after one of the shifts was over. I was like, hey, Jerry, how am I doing here? I was kind of setting him up. And, of course, he told me, you know, how good I was doing and how much he appreciated me and said some nice things. And, and then I delivered, like, the, the, the blow, right? I was like, well, I've been thinking this is really hard work, and I think I should be making more money. And if we can't work something out, then I'm going to have to go find another job. Mm. <laughs> And I learned pretty quick, you know, in fact, I even, I still remember whatever it is, 20, 25 years later, uh, I still remember what he told me. He said, Travis, we were here before you got here and we'll be here a long time after you're gone. And if you need to find another job, then that's what you're going to have to do. Excellent. So, so my first piece of advice before I tell anybody how to get raised, I'll tell people how not to get fired. Oh <laughs> yeah, that is, that's that's yeah. helpful too. So that piece of advice is never give your boss an ultimatum, or try to take advantage of a bad situation. Mm. And I think that that's appropriate, like with the COVID nineteen, like what we're going through now in a recession. Like a lot of companies or a lot of people might feel like, hey, I've got my boss like right where I want him, like over a barrel. They need me here to to sell or to, you know, help with operations or to drive or whatever it is. And it's a perfect time to to like really get them for more money. Mm, yeah. And it is not the perfect time. No, it's, <laughs> it's a really bad time. A horrible time to put anybody over a barrel. Well, and even for yourself, too, because of the situation. I mean, if you give them an ultimatum and they're like, okay, and you don't have any other options. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to, you know, work out your options. And um, that's something that, you know, I've kind of been thinking about since you asked me to come on. Like, you know, what are people's options? Um, but I'm sure you want me to tell you like what I would do, right? Not just what I wouldn't do. Yes, I of course. I wanted to get that out of I the way I like the first. would not. That was helpful right from the beginning, yeah. especially in our current current situation. So yeah. what would you do then? Let's go, go gotcha. that route. So my, my second piece of advice, and I got some notes here, is to uh, first put together some hard data about what you might be worth on the market today and what you're bringing to that business in terms of hard dollar productivity or savings. And then once you've gathered that information to present that 
to your boss with a reasonable ask and not as an ultimatum, as a, as a request. I'm big on the three-sentence ask. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the three-sentence ask, it goes something like this. Get your pencil ready. You know, you've always been a good boss. This has always been a great place to work. You know that we work well together and what I contribute to the team. I've even made a list for us to talk about. And then the third sentence is, if it makes sense, based on what I'm bringing to the business, I'd ask you to consider an increase in my compensation of $10,000 a year. Is that fair? And that would be the conversation that I had with my boss. Nice. Well, that sounds interesting to say the least. So I hadn't heard about the the three-sentence ask, but I want to go back just... uh, to what you had said before that, you said to gather data, like hard data. So where do you recommend that people find that data, first of all, that's comparable, just like Google it, or is there anywhere that they should look specifically? Yeah, Google is is absolutely the best place. There are tons of resources, tons of, you know, uh, webinars on on, uh, LinkedIn, the SlideShare app, uh, and you can find tons of salary surveys. I, I got one the other day from a headhunter, from a recruiter, and they were like, here's all the people that we've placed in your, you know, in executive positions in North Carolina, and they had a giant list of, you know, the positions and their salaries. And to be honest, I was uh, blown away by what some people were getting, <laughs> you know, as executives here in North Carolina, and it definitely informed not just me, but, you know, if if I was asking somebody for a raise, like, that would be an incredible piece of paper to slide across the table to them. Like, look what, you know, this set of, uh, this skill set, look what my skill set is worth on the market. Hmm. Okay, so that's awesome. And then let's move to the, the big three. Um, one thing that I saw that you had said is, the 10,000 a year, right? Is there a magic number that you're thinking? Is there a percentage? Should people go for the big number or should they go for the dollar, $2 hour raise per hour raise? What's the best um, approach you feel like with something like that? Everybody's going to be different. I think, you know, it's all situational, but if, you know, I was making $40,000 a year and I did some research and saw that everybody else in my geography that had my job title was making $50,000 a year, I think a fair ask would be to increase to at least a midpoint or, Mm -hmm. you know, to maybe the ask was to increase to the 50 and settle for the midpoint. I think there's a lot of, you know, negotiating skills that, you know, we could talk about at some point um, about how to get to where, because it's all about being fair, right? Like, we want to feel like, as humans, that we're being treated fairly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the discontent, and probably a lot of the reason people are listening to this, is that they don't feel like they're being paid what they're worth, that it's not fair to them. And if they were being paid fairly, they'd look at things, you know, a lot different. So it's not about is it a dollar or is it $5,000 or is it $20,000? It's all about getting to where you feel like you're being fairly compensated for your contributions. Okay. 
So we were talking about earlier, like the current climate and not taking advantage of your bosses or giving them an ultimatum. Do you feel like this is a good time for people to be asking for raises? Or what do you think the approach should be during COVID right now? Yeah, I, I think it's less about, you know, a good time or a bad time to ask for a raise other than a good time to find that information and to be prepared to have a, a conversation about what's fair um, with the people who are making decisions about what you're, you know, being compensated. Um, and Eventually. Yeah, I believe that, you know, getting a raise is a process. It's mm-hmm. not something that you... You know, you hear me give advice and you go have that conversation next week or you hear something on the podcast that sounds like a good idea and you, you know, click off the podcast and walk over to your boss's office. That's not my advice. Okay. (laughs) That's good clarification. Yeah. I think this is a very strategic thing. You know, this podcast, you said in your intro, it's for smart people who, you know, have the ability to sort of plan ahead these conversations and get ready for the the comp review get ready for their review Mm -hmm. every year okay and and that's what i'm thinking is you know my advice is how to get ready for the review not how to go tomorrow and um and get a raise that's yeah so is part of getting ready for the review also having other options like if they can't pay compensation are you trying to get another week of vacation or are you trying to get more sick pay or is that something that you feel like people should be prepared with as well? Absolutely. I, you know, um, I see and hear or have in, in my career people not realize that compensation, your total compensation, is made up of different things. For example, it's not just your paycheck. It, you could, you know, be paid $50,000 a year, but if you are also given a company car, all of a sudden, you know, you're not having to pay out of your 50000 for gas mm. and insurance and maintenance right. and, you know, a car payment. So a company car could really be worth $10,000 a year in your compensation. And same for, you know, extra vacation days, right? Days you don't have to... You know, um, you don't have to show up at work or you don't have to actually contribute paid vacation. That is on top of comp. Uh, Paying health insurance for you rather than splitting it or making you pay it. That's all part of compensation. And and I don't feel like people recognize that enough. So uh, a fair ask might be, I know you can't give me a raise right now, but, you know, I know that you have... Uh, company cars and that's already factored into the overhead and if you could give me a company car that'd be you know a great little you know bump to my compensation that I think is fair okay so having options is a good idea going in yeah understand what compensation or what your company already does Mm -hmm. and asking for things they're already doing for other people right is is uh is is almost like um it's the easy street right yeah <laughs> if you're asking to you know for to use the company condo when only the president gets, or you know or executive team 
gets to use that, I mean, that's one thing. Uh, that's right. much harder. Uh, it's an uphill climb. But I remember whenever I was uh, working in a, the restaurant business, one of the other girls that was working counter with me, she was making like $2 more an hour than I was. And I found this out. And so it made me so upset that I felt like I was working harder and longer and I guess better than she was and she was making more and she wasn't reliable and I remember taking that kind of to my boss but I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best approach right like hey this person makes more than I do I should make as much as them is that kind of what we're saying too or no not really I think it's a much weaker argument. Yeah, much yeah, weaker. for sure. Yeah, not that it you know wouldn't work or appeal to your boss's sense of fairness, but you know what executives and uh, you know business managers and owners they manage to budgets a lot of times, mm -hmm. and and they have you know terminology that they use and vocabulary that they use, and they understand productivity and savings and that kind of stuff. And I feel like a much stronger argument would would be for you to to couch your value and the fairness of your compensation in terms of how you're impacting the bottom line. So if you can go in and say, look, you know, I've landed this client and, you know, they can that client contributes a million dollars to our bottom line every year and I'm the one who manages the relationship, um, that's worth money, right? That's right. hard compensation. But to say... Jane makes fifty thousand, and I only make forty six. I think I deserve a raise up to to fifty. No, <laughs> yeah, that falls apart pretty yeah, quick. You it know, didn't work very well. There's for no me. hard connection. I'm suggesting that you go and capture your contribution in terms of you know in business terms that managers understand and that the CFO understands of your company because. A lot of times, the your boss isn't the one making the decision about your compensation. They may love you to death and think that you're worth, you know, millions. I, the the last turnaround that I did, I had folks who were worth, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, only making sixty, and try as I might, and as much as I would argue for those people to make even eighty or ninety, um, that it just wasn't happening. You know, the CFO didn't see it in terms of of contribution uh, to, to compensate somebody that much. So, you know, you really have to dial in what you're bringing to the business in dollar terms, language they can understand, and present it, make those connections super, um, super solid. So that rolls me into my next question. Like sometimes there are real financial constraints for businesses. Like they believe that you're worth more money and they want to pay you more money but it's just not in the cards for them at that time. Uh, how do you suggest kind of wading through those those types of situations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I've been in that spot myself as a business owner, you know, and wanting to pay folks more money, realizing their contributions and, and just – for because we had a bad job or a bad year or something, not being able to really pay them what they're what even I thought they were worth. Um, and so I think coming from a, a position of someone who's asking for a raise, if you're in a small company 
that has real financial constraints or maybe he's having a bad time, then you really have to look for non-financial uh, uh, bumps in the comp. So that looks like time off, telecommuting, the company car, I mean, paying the health insurance, things that don't cost them as much as just giving you a $10,000 raise in your salary. Because another thing I don't think people realize is that uh, why those non-monetary raises are easier is because every time that a business, uh, your boss gives you a raise, cash money, right, like 50 to 55 or 50 to 60 or whatever it is, uh, it costs them 10% more than the raise they gave you on their bottom line. So if somebody, if a company gives you a $10,000 raise, it really costs them $11,000 to do that because of employer taxes, unemployment taxes, workers comp, all right. those things um, are based on payroll dollars, their mm -hmm. percentage of payroll dollars. And so the lower they can keep their payroll, you know, they, it's kind of leveraged to lower cost across the board. But asking for an extra week of vacation is a no-brainer for them. It costs them nothing. Mm. It doesn't. How does it not cost them nothing? I don't understand. It costs them nothing. Like, they don't have to pay any more money out the door than what they've already been paying. So, like, paid time off almost? Yeah, you're just not there contributing Working. to the company. Oh, right? okay. But that doesn't mean that you're not keeping up with mm -hmm. your clients or, you know, keeping up with your deadlines or still managing your team. You're just not necessarily in the office 40 For hours that week. that week. Yeah, okay. absolutely. But you'd still be preparing and everything to leave for the week and then you would make up or pick up. Well, of course, too. you have to yeah. keep up with your responsibilities. Right. Uh, we're not saying, you know, ditch completely, but yeah. uh, in fact, you may be and you could argue the fact and there's some research out there that you're more productive yeah, that's You're more true. productive because now you have deadlines and now you have to catch up and, you know, you, you want to prepare to, to not be there. But mm -hmm. uh, that's that's stretching, right, a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. There's some companies that have moved to, like, unlimited vacation just so that their teams have the leeway. So I think that, you know, that's my, uh, my contribution to the conversation is that uh, – you have to do it correctly. There's no ultimatums or taking advantage of people. You have to value, you know, your company and the people who run it just as much as you expect them to value you. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is uh, typically gaps, you know, and especially in small businesses between market value and what you agreed to come on to work for, whatever it was last year or a month ago or 10 years ago. Right. And it's unlikely that your salary has kept up with the market rates. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some gap there that you should understand how to go and do the research and figure out uh, what to ask for to make it more fair to you. And so you feel fairly compensated for your contribution. I think that's a, a relatively easy thing to do for most people. Mm-hmm. All right. So... I really appreciate you coming on the show, Travis <laughs> Lefevre. That's right. <laughs> I hope you. Thanks. You're a smart guy. Oh, I think that so uh, you added a lot of value and definitely gave some great advice 
around getting a raise. So how can people find you or ask you questions or if they need any clarification around what we talked about? Where where can they hit you up? Oh, yeah. I'm happy to help any way that I can. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, right? Travis Lefevre. Uh, the one in North Carolina, not the one in Colorado. He, he hates it. When I, <laughs> I didn't know there was a guy in Colorado. <laughs> oh, yeah. And unfortunately, he's also in construction. So uh, a lot oh, of folks man. Get, uh, get us confused. But uh, Or you could just uh, connect with Amanda. Of course, she'll uh, she'll get us hooked up. But uh, on your Instagram or uh, raiseuppodcast.com, of course, you can just, uh, just put... Hey, Amanda, let me talk to Travis in the the contact email. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. I will pass on the information very quickly. Or I can give you Amanda's cell phone number. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could give out my cell phone number. I might not answer it, though, because I rarely answer numbers that I don't know. And I know you guys are the same way, so don't judge me for not answering telemarketers that pretend that they're my friends. Maybe I can come back and tell some of my crazier, uh, crazier raise stories. People asking for raise when they went bad and went good. That would be awesome. Be Those are my favorite day. stories. Yeah, to maybe, be honest, maybe in the... your podcast you could have like a war story episodes. Right? Ooh, like a bonus, right? Like a compilation. Yep, and that's to be honest, that's how you get the bonus ones is if you subscribe. So subscribe to the podcast. Or, you know, you can always like and share and take a screenshot of this episode and put it on your socials and tag me in it because I want to connect. I want to see what you guys are liking and not liking and, you know, let us know. This is a community. It's Raise Up Nation and we want to be in this together. So thanks again, honey, for being on the show. My pleasure. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Bye.